Club Cosmos Radio. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Malia. How are you doing? I am doing really good, I have to say. The vibe has shifted. Things are going in a great direction. Except there's one thing (laughs) that um, maybe not everything is astrology, but I just had to laugh with um, (laughs) the Venus retrograde in my first house. I'm getting work done on my car from like a dumb accident that happened a year ago. It was totally cosmetic, but it's just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And the rental car they gave me gave me such extreme car dysmorphia (laughs) because it is a Dodge Challenger. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just like this insane muscle car that feels so undercover or like unregistered cop car, (laughs) like Blue Lives Matter aura to it. And just driving this thing around is just like every time I approach it and get into it, it's just like, oh, God, I feel like I have a bad haircut. (laughs) Yeah, it feels really like there's a... A dark energy to this car. Yeah. Does it go fast? It does go fast. <laughs> Horrible gas mileage. Very really? weird orientation of inside the car. It's like a huge car, but it's also two door. I guess mm-hmm. for aesthetics, it just feels like a cool car from the seventies that they made like one and a half times the size of what it is, and it just. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it is so activating in a way that's very stupid. It's so <laughs> funny. It's I'm awkward, Leo stuff. Yeah, where you're just like, um, just so everyone knows, this is not my car. <laughs> this is not who I am. <laughs> I'm a hatchback girl, okay? <laughs> uh, you seem like maybe one of the few people I know. You're like me in that Aries eclipse season where I was like feeling so great and everyone else was struggling. Yeah. Like you're know. having a well you're you're finally in your first house. Yeah, sun the Leo moved the sun moved into my first house and so yeah, after I mean I talked I can't remember what episode I was talking about my summertime blues, but it's gone well it's gone. It's gone for now. Um <laughs> we never know when the next mood swing is gonna come yeah. sidling over. But yeah, at least this week, it's like, okay, I feel like I'm in the human realm (laughs) once again. What about you, Malia? It's been kind of a rough week. I've been off, which has been so nice. I took myself a little vacation. Um, We went to Idlewild, which was great. What did you think of Idlewild? One of my favorite places ever. (laughs) I thought it was really charming. We had like a nice A-frame house with a hot tub and mm. grilled some steaks. Gorgeous. Like, Watch some Bravo. <laughs> oh my God. The dream, babe. <laughs> we were, yeah, it was it was necessary for the moment. But um, Did you meet Mayor Max, the no. golden retriever mayor of Idlewild? No, I love when a dog is there. <laughs> it's actually, I, I don't know. It's like I've been up there a couple times and the local townsfolk have told me that um it was like a couple years ago that they were doing this they were raising money for the local shelter by being like should we have a dog mayor or a cat mayor like it was just kind Mm -hmm. of like a gimmick where it's like vote with your dollars for whatever you want and then the dog became mayor but this we're on like the second mayor max because basically the family that had the golden retriever that became mayor is like they've seized power (laughs) it's a dog coup and now it's like there's also like deputy mayors in waiting oh so it's just like they've really taken on um they've created a political dynasty of golden retrievers in this little hippie mountain town wow. <laughs> yeah i really want to go back in like a cozy autumnal way oh yeah the summer it was pretty touristy it was pretty it wasn't as hot this year obviously but i was like oh this would be really nice if it was it did rain it that's, rained up there up that's on moody. the mountain which was beautiful there, the hiking up there is so pretty. And like, I just love, I love a hippie town. <laughs> Me too. 
But otherwise, you know, there's like a bit of a sad cast to the week. Some losses. Mm-hmm. Pee Wee is my my hero. <laughs> to have Pee Wee be gone is so sad. Yeah. Talking about child self with our moon sign topic <laughs> today is like that was Pee Wee hit my Sag moon like no other i know you are i mean i love peewee so much but you are like peewee's daughter (laughs) you're the daughters of the peewees the (laughs) they could not burn i mean i think for a gemini sun satch moon a show that is like let's just see to the end of every single idea we ever have and have it make no sense (laughs) until it does is a dream come true for me Oh, it's so, he was such a special person. And we watched uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure this week. Mm -hmm. um, And I found out that he and Phil Hartman, they were writing partners. Pee Wee started as like a play, like a theater play that they did together. And so they wrote- At the Groundlings. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. at the Groundlings. And so this was also Tim Burton's first movie. Was it really? Yeah. Um, The best thing about my Gemini partner is that he's on the Wikipedia during literally everything we watch and just firing, firing off facts. But apparently they'd never written a screenplay before. And so they just got like a screenplay writing book and just did literally everything it says. It's like 90 minutes, 90 pages, like the entire structure of the movie. is. So they use it in screenwriting classes because it's basically technically perfect. Amazing. (laughs) And also just gorgeous. Yeah, very Virgo. I've been feeling called to revisit my dream of learning how to animate. Yes. (laughs) I think maybe that'll become yet another random side project. Oh my God, please. But it would be so fun to learn how to animate. You need to make a cartoon. (laughs) Right? It would be really fun. And garlic. And garlic, yes. Uh, The sad part of this week is my praying mantis garlic passed away over the weekend, which is, you know, not to be, uh, not unexpected for a bug. bug. (laughs) But she was a gorgeous She was that girl. And I'd like to think that she's out there with Pee Wee right now (laughs) doing the tequila dance in paradise. Yeah, it's it's feeling a little Venus retrograde. We're getting the celeb dramas. There was definitely the celeb sadness with a few of the losses, but yeah. we're also getting some of the drama too. Big time. We've obviously got the Lizzo drama. She's Leo rising. Venus is retrograding in how she's perceived. Yeah, and it's in a way that is just so... It's so brutal because anytime a celebrity is just so ideal or just like oh the perfect person with the perfect politics with the perfect niceness with the perfect it's like nobody's perfect so it's like you expect things like that to emerge but the context of her being fat phobic against her dancers when she is such a dark a spokesperson for body positivity it's just like oof really yeah really a retrograde switcheroo I know. appearances aren't reality everybody <laughs> yeah when I looked at her chart again I was like oh it has a different meaning to it now or I see it a little bit differently she has so much of that 10th house Taurus stuff her sun mm-hmm. and midheaven and Jupiter and Mercury are all conjunct Jupiter next to the sun can really make a famous person (laughs) and also just someone who has a lot of presence or dominates a little too much or can be a little too prideful Mm -hmm. or yeah too much sun extra extra but then to have all of that opposite her Pluto and the fourth Mm. near the IC the IC and the midheaven the MC the fourth and the tenth are very much the roots and the flowering part Mm -hmm. of a plant or a tree the tenth house is your public legacy but Pluto down there mm-hmm. sometimes can feel a little like mm, skeletons in the closet. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> skeletons in the closet. It's like, what are these power moves you did to get your way up here? What happened to you? Yeah, it's very like all about Eve. Yeah, <laughs> energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, it is kind of interesting because Uranus is also up there. Yeah, <laughs> as yeah. well, which is like the shock shock factor. Uh, Isn't it transiting her MC right now? No, it's on her. It's like just past her Mercury. Well, that'll do it too. (laughs) Um, It like the Taurus. 
the way that like Uranus is working with Taurians is it's a challenge. Like we mm-hmm. said last time, it really is a cattle prod. Mm-hmm. If there's ever a sign that is more resistant to the idea of sudden upset and yeah. change to <laughs> the way things are. But some some Torians are really capitalizing on it. Like um friend of the pod, Frank, asked us about Pinky Doll's chart, who if you're not familiar, I'm sure you are. She is this NPC TikToker. NPC means non-player character in a video game, which is like they only have a certain set of limited programmed responses to what you do. Um, Mm -hmm. And NPC streaming or, or like characters, it's like a TikTok live phenomenon. And you give them little gifts of which represent marginal amounts of money. <laughs> and they respond to them in these programmatic ways where it's like she went, Pinky Doll went viral because she was just like, ice cream so yum, ice cream so yum, <laughs> gang gang. And it's just like very surreal. It looks like what would be on TV in the fifth element or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, but And it has such a weird like the the roots of this NPC phenomenon, because she's not the only one that's doing this. It has so much to do with like, oh yeah, this is something where you can still get your like dopamine hit, but it's not mentally strenuous to watch. Like you yeah. do- it's just really like mindless entertainment. For babies. <laughs> For babies. Although there is this really amazing NPC character on TikTok that uh, she does the same thing, but she's a consumptive 19th century orphan. Oh my God. <laughs> And when she made, yeah, she's like always like, because roses or something they get, and she's like, oh, roses, I miss the garden. <laughs> Please, sir, can I have some more? Like, and then at the end of every stream, when she makes her goal, she dies. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's just like crazy. But anyway, Pinky Doll obviously blew up. People have been covering her. She's She has made it from weird internet to like the New York Times and mm-hmm. made a shit ton of money on TikTok and on OnlyFans. But she is a Taurus, some some intrepid blessed angel mm-hmm. found her birth her, her birthday from one of her posts, and she had the North Node conjunct her Taurus at the same time as Uranus was on her Mercury when she went viral, which is a perfect recipe for virality. Yes, online, especially as an NPC yeah. in the way that Uranus wants you to be. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's it's so Taurus to go viral for talking about how yummy food is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cute food is. And it is like transactional. Yeah, it and is she's just so femme. Yeah, she's so femme. Yeah, it's just perfect. So it's Lizzo and Pinky Doll are two different stories of what mm-hmm. can happen when Uranus comes knocking on your on your Mercury. <laughs> yeah. Taurus is getting a lot these days. Yeah, and yet they're still so sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Another little trinket and treat that was the Google Doodle for today, actually, is how I discovered this. They featured this woman, Altina Skinasi, but she, it was her birthday today or the anniversary of her birthday. She's no longer with us, but she was the inventor of cat eye sunglasses. Of course, Leo invented cat eye sunglasses. <laughs> behavior. I love that. And she was just so cool. She was like a, a window dresser in the 20s that worked with Salvador Dali and like George Gross was her teacher and she has all these other patents. Just like a really cool artist lady. But I also love the Leo detail where she, the story of how she came up with them was like she was walking down the street and had a eureka moment when she was looking at an eyeglass store where she's like, all eyeglasses are fugly. And then she was like, what looks good on a face? What adds to it? You know, what could be like romantic and whimsical and beautiful that a woman could wear? And she thought it, she based them on Harlequin masks, uh, which is just I so... Love that. So funny and theatrical and Leo and look at her now. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the sun, we're in a luminary period. Summer yeah. is always luminary focused with cancer and Leo season. But yeah. we talked about the sun a lot last week. And now the moon signs are one of those things that are so vitally important and also so elusive. Mm-hmm. Because it's your subjective experience of yeah. life. The sun sign, I feel like people can really get with. The rising sign also, where those are so like apparent and obvious. Mm. But your moon sign by nature a little bit more cryptic and hidden and because it has to do with your emotional realms 
Yeah. What are all the associations of the moon and astrology? I mean, definitely emotions, your internal world, your body. Yeah. Your, your, your body, uh, your intuition, and really just the, it's like the inner child dynamics mm-hmm. too. And, you know, the moon does represent the mother or, or like you could say the parent, the care, the like primary the caretaker, maternal. but it has so much to do with our inner child, where we self-soothe, how we take care of other people mm-hmm. or don't how we take mm-hmm. other care of ourselves or don't how we feel how attuned for. we are to our own feelings mm-hmm. um it's also just what really shows up in our most vulnerable place which you know i feel like our moon signs depending on where it is and how sensitive you mm-hmm. are it may or may not be that visible to most people but the people closest to us always know our moon signs yeah the people we share our vulnerable parts with whether we want to or not. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's very, it, it operates very unconsciously. Yeah. And I think that part of just growth, life growth, mm-hmm. it, it tells a story about how you integrate your moon, how you can make it conscious, how you can support it and work for it. Because when the moon is depleted or not cared for, when you are not taking care of yourself or your emotions, you're denying them or you're casting them aside or you're overworking yourself, there's a million different ways you could do it. Giving Mm -hmm. too much, too isolated from the world, that's when your moon starts knocking on your door. And you start really noticing. It's like, oh, yeah, like I have absolutely no energy. I'm so depressed. I'm sad. I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we talked about with the cancer episode, it is so cyclical and kind of quick in its cycles in that you can cycle through emotions quickly. So I feel like it also represents just how we respond to change mm-hmm. in general. Like changing brings up emotions in yeah. anybody. But it based on the sign it in determines the way in which you react or adapt to those changes. And we'll talk more about this, but when it comes to the different elements of the signs that a moon can be in, (laughs) any of the signs, like the air signs, Gemini, Libra, and Aquarius tend to rationalize and intellectualize emotions first before feeling. Water signs tend to really emote Mm -hmm. and feel really deeply right away. Fire signs prefer to do and Mm -hmm. act rather than act out their feelings right and then earth signs they're a little bit more practical (laughs) yeah yeah exactly like what am I supposed to I feel bad now what (laughs) what am I supposed to do (laughs) like to make what's the care plan (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting because you know when we talk about emotional intuitive internal world it's like we all know what that means but it's also of course most of us don't actually know what we're feeling on a day-to-day basis to actually name what it is we feel is really hard for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And so I think understanding your moon sign is a helpful way for figuring it out at least or like how to get there. It's a key. I mean, the same way, like what's wonderful about astrology, what's wonderful about tarot is that it is this language of archetypes and it Mm -hmm. gives you a little bit of a distance to examine the strengths and the challenges that that archetype has. And, our emotional world is like you're, you said, it's like it, it can be just very hard to parse exactly. It's our emotions aren't so clear and boundary of like, I mm-hmm. just feel sad because of this or like mm-hmm. I feel excited because of this. It's like it is so shifting and mutable and changing and cyclic. So having your a sense of what your moon wants and how it works and the area of your life where it wants to be working mm-hmm. can be a really powerful tool if you're in just a little bit the undertow or the Mm -hmm. lost up in the in in your feelings or just having a hard time reaching them Mm -hmm. um the high priestess card is is the card of the moon uh in the major arcana of the tarot and i talked about it uh, quite a bit in the cancer mood board episode but it it just really captures, I think, the the feeling of our relationship with the moon because she's sitting on this between these two pillars on this throne, holding this book of arcane text. Like this is a card that it is all about in- intuition and inner knowing and like respecting the respecting that, not dismissing mm-hmm. that, understanding that like your your instincts and your subliminal relationship to the world mm-hmm. is is 
an, a crucial gatherer of information for mm-hmm. you that's outside. It's hidden from your conscious mind. It's the moon, of course. Like sun comes up in the day and shines its light <laughs> on everything. Moon comes out at night and reflects the light of the mm-hmm. sun back. So it's a little removed. But she's sitting behind her thrill and there's this curtain. And behind her curtain, you can't really see what's behind it, but it looks like the ocean. And it's trickling. There's like a stream of it that's like coming to her feet. So Mm. it's like she's touching this huge world of the unknown or like Mm -hmm. what's behind the veil or whatever the mysterious source of our knowing is. Mm -hmm. She has that information, but it's coming from an invisible source. And that's kind of the point of it. Like part of the moon's work is invisible work, but just because it's invisible doesn't mean that it doesn't need attention (laughs) and and effort to care for and nurture and respect. Our feelings tell us so much. Not to be so second wave feminist, but Mm -hmm. all of this is just like, so this is all women. Yeah. Women women experience, women roles, all of these things like, Invisible work, yeah. burnout, yes, mothering, intuition, mothering. Yeah, it's it's very and it's like so patriarchal that the sun sign is what is ex- yeah so men, focused on, <laughs> which rules men and dad daddies. <laughs> yeah, I, that's really beautiful because I know you described that, but I didn't recognize that behind the curtain was water. Yeah, behind the curtain, it's like you only. It takes you most of the journey of the major arcana to see what's behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. And that's like the moon card, which is represented by Pisces, which is basically like when you are lost in a crazy world of Mm -hmm. dreams, down is up, like you are so far away from the shore um, emotionally, but that's really where you're being tasked with like, see, like what leads you out of the moon world is a sense of connection to the wildness you know it's like Mm -hmm. it it is like another initiation card where it's just like you have to brave you have to brave like the depths of your own brain it's very the cell (laughs) (laughs) you have to brave like the wildness and the chaos and like the the incomprehensibility of like the scope of the unconscious mind Mm -hmm. to be able to gain that wisdom and come back out the other side love that I feel like I should say, too, that in traditional astrology, night charts, if you're born at night Mm. when the moon is high, you might relate more to your moon sign than your sun sign. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Well, the way that this is going to work, for those of you listening, um, we are going to go through all the moon signs and talk about the experience, what the kind of inner internal experience of having that moon feels like, the way that that moon takes care of others, the way that moon needs to be taken care of, the way you need to be taking care of your moon if you have that placement. And then this is where you got to really pay attention. We're (laughs) talking about the house that is sort of traditionally associated with that sign. So you need to be listening for your sign and your house. Okay. So where your moon is. Yeah. Where your moon is. The house describes, um, like, how would you um, explain the relationship between houses to the planets and the signs? Yeah. I mean, if we think of astrology as a language, which it is like anything, Plus, I'm a Gemini, so I'm going to think that way. But the planets are really the noun or the character. They are the the acting mm-hmm. principle. Mm-hmm. And the sign that they're in, it describes how it acts mm-hmm. or how, how it, the personality, the characteristics of it. But the house where your moon is shows where you feel the most emotional connection mm-hmm. or where your emotions play out Mm -hmm. or where there's the most change and that you have to adapt and respond. So it's really the setting, the backdrop, the place for the experience. The little actor of the planet to play its role. (laughs) It's cool because it is a really useful tool and it can be a pretty practical way of understanding how to access your emotions. Mm -hmm. Where in your life can you feel most connected to your moon, your emotions? Totally. So we will start with the Aries moon as usual, though. I will say, as we get deeper and deeper into our astrology podcast career, 
I love starting with different signs because I feel like Aries always gets the most energy because they're yeah. first and then by Pisces they're like, I don't know, I'm tired. I know. It's not fair. I know. <laughs> We're going to start it's with also Aries. so Aries to just I be know. first. That's the thing. It's like it's, it's, there's an order for a reason that yeah, it just totally. describes something. It's something to- so profound about how the signs work with each other. I know. And then to be burned out by you get to, by the time you get to Pisces. <laughs> So the experience of an Aries moon is pretty explosive. These are the hot-tempered people. Mm-hmm. Can be really energetic, really defensive. It's just like a really fiery, explosive emotional reaction. But the upside to this is that they move through it very quickly. Yeah. It, it fizzles out. And as long as you can stick with, if you like are afraid of that kind of response... If you know they're an Aries moon, if you just wait it out a couple minutes, they'll it'll be burn gone it out. In yeah. A second. It's a Mars ruled moon because it's Aries. So yeah. it's like it gets it's its reaction to emotion is combative mm-hmm. <laughs> for that reason. But the way that they really take care of others is by being really an enthusiastic cheerleader. They're so game mm-hmm. for helping you out with anything, motivating you, getting anything done on your behalf making you laugh, fighting for you. But they also just don't judge your anger. Yeah. Anger is healthy. It's very healthy. And and they don't hold grudges. No. And also wouldn't expect that you would either. So don't hold a grudge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they will not get that. <laughs> and they will not like it. Yeah, no. They'll fight you. They will confront you. <laughs> oh, Aries, Moon. It's not like necessarily the easiest placement because no. of just... He, huge reactions, big, big reactions, mm-hmm. big feelings. But I really think it just does teach you the importance of the healthiness of anger. I feel like so many yeah. other lunar placements, their struggle is mm-hmm. in expressing challenging feelings yeah. where it's just like, yeah. because it's like, don't be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Aries in that way that Aries does everything, just say, hey, what I feel matters. <laughs> and it's everyone's problem now. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially the moon, because it's like, it's so important to show that you care about something Yeah, that you're pissed off Mm -hmm. because your feelings got hurt (laughs) or a boundary was crossed or whatever. I like it because the moon again is so feminine and anger is such a, it's just not socialized for women. Right. And often women need it so much, so much. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah, the ways for kind of nurturing yourself and your Aries moon is definitely anything energetic energetic and energized. So exercising, having a sense of humor about yourself and your emotions, but also just like engaging with it, through it, mm-hmm. arguing, sparring. Yeah. Combat. <laughs> yeah. Hell, not physical combat, unless you are like a jujitsu person. Yeah, martial arts. <laughs> yeah, martial arts Mars. is really good. And Aries men really like a super energetic household, like things to be moving. Everyone kind of is active around them mm-hmm. and fire, mm-hmm. literal fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I love, um, yeah, self-help books, like just anything that really spurs on action yeah. for how to deal with the emotions. Aries love motivational books of totally. all kinds. Like they are so motivated and self-actualizing. And if they're in a funk, which is another attribute I would say is for what you're saying, they, they never hold on to their powerful feelings for mm-hmm. too long. But if they are in a funk, a good speech, like a good coach speech um, and like mm-hmm. a good book about the five principles of whatever will really turn them back around again. Totally. <laughs> yeah. They like to be coached. Yeah. They like to coach and to be coached. Yeah. Um, what about a first house moon? Okay. So the first house, the connection between these is like their traditional connection. Again, there are aspects that Aries in the first house, Taurus in the second house, Gemini in the third house, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. share with each other. But the first house is your, the house of yourself in the world, your, mm-hmm. your personality, your personhood. Like it's, it's you baby. In mm-hmm. the same way that Aries is like, it's me baby. Mm-hmm. The first house is very much the, the house that's like really connected to yourself. So in that regard, a first house moon, any moon in the first house means that your emotions are really apparent. You wear your heart on your sleeve. Mm-hmm. You can see 
you show your emotions very clearly because it's connected to your presentation and your your body. It's really, really hard to hide what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Absolutely no poker face here. <laughs> and you people can really read you like a book in this way. But yeah, it's like because your moon is also part of your expression in this world and how you just like conduct yourself mm-hmm. in all things that you do. It makes you a really emotional and caring person. Mm-hmm. You, but you need it's to how make, you identify. Yeah, it's how you identify as somebody that like cares, nurtures, and connects to other people emotionally, and connects with your own emotions. But yeah, because the moon she is so changeable um, and cyclical, there can be a lot of changes to your body, identity, style, appearance, like. Mm-hmm who you think you are because like how, how you're feeling, how you're feeling shows up in, in your presentation Mm -hmm. in, in every sense of that. So it's like emotional dressing. Yeah. Emotional dressing, (laughs) revenge makeovers. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All of that is definitely in the province of the first house moon. And, and that just gets stronger and stronger. The closer your moon is by degree to your rising sign. Yeah. It's so funny when I get a therapy client who has moon conjunct the ascendant because I love that every session I can tell before they say a thing, mm-hmm. I can tell what they're feeling. <laughs> it's just so physically visible. Yeah. Your inner world and your presentation are just truly one. Yeah. Does that make it harder to parse your emotions, do you think, or easier? I think there's definitely a harder component to it, but it all depends on how how strong you are in your own personhood and your identity. Like if you are giving too much of yourself, I could see how it'd be really hard to, to know what your emotions are. But if you, a first house moon does really have to be like, okay, what do I need? Who am Mm -hmm. I? What am I trying to do? Who am I trying to attract? But there is just an inherent kind of like, people are going to see things that you're not even aware of sometimes. Right. Right. Interesting. Taurus moon. Yeah. Very different. (laughs) As with every subsequent sign is so different. Taurus moon is so chill. Taurus is where the moon is exalted. It's really loves being in Taurus because it's so peaceful and beautiful and stable. Mm -hmm. And I think the experience of having a Taurus moon is, is that it's, it can be slow to process your emotions sometimes and maybe even a delayed emotional response because as we've talked about so much with fixed signs, there's a stubbornness and yeah. it's like, I think especially with Taurus, a stubbornness to change. And if there's a feeling coming on that <laughs> isn't what they want to feel or that is different from what they're feeling now, they might be like, I'm going to put that aside. Yeah. <laughs> Shove it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very measured and steady and, you know, the moon likes familiarity. Mm-hmm. So anything that's unfamiliar might not be where Taurus moon likes right. to be. Anything Taurus doesn't want anything yeah. too outside their chosen pasture. Yeah. <laughs> and in that way, I guess they can get stuck in mm. emotions too. Stuck in one emotion for too long because of that stubbornness. Yeah. I feel like this placement, another another thing that makes it the moon happy there is that like Taurus knows how to take care of its needs mm-hmm. <laughs> emotionally totally. to anything Taurus is like I know what I want and mm-hmm. I know what I'm craving I know what I'm feeling I know what my meaning they're so connected to their body um yeah. I mean obviously whole charts are whole people so there can be a lot of other factors at play that challenge that but like they know how to take care of their moon like just like they know how to take care of themselves and other people you know I'm sure I've mentioned this example before, but I think about it all the time with Marsha Linehan, who invented DBT, Dialectical Mm -hmm. Behavioral Therapy, which is all about emotional regulation. And she's a Taurus. And her whole thing is that you have to activate all five senses to regulate your emotions. And Tauruses do that so naturally. Yeah. They're so physically present with their surroundings. But so the way that they nurture each other um, with food is one of them. (laughs) Each other. I love that. They do only nurture each other. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes. Um, The way they nurture others is... uh, 
Good food. Lots of patience. So mm. much patience with people. They know that change takes time. Mm. Um, and they're really, really patient with the process. And they're just so grounded in situations where things are crazy. Yeah, you know, like totally. if they're not, they don't, it's very hard for your emotional level to like dysregulate a Taurus. It's hard for a Taurus to get dysregulated. Yeah. Unless Uranus comes calling, I guess. <laughs> but like... They're so loyal and they just know how to make you feel comfortable at home. Yeah. And, and like, it's just easy to be in their presence because you just have that sense of they're really here, here with you, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and uh, yeah, they're very, very regulating that way. And they're really affectionate. They're very mm-hmm. physical, uh, like for all the reasons that we said. So, yeah, yeah. And they need that affection themselves. Yeah, they do. Their love language is touch. So, and gifts. (laughs) Yeah. And I think to make a Taurus moon happy, it doesn't take too much because it is just beautiful things and Mm -hmm. objects with emotional significance. I just picture kind of like a worry stone in your Mm -hmm. pocket or like something tangible to hold on to. Taurus moon likes that. But just like a beautiful home and nature and body work is really great Mm -hmm. any kind of like massage yoga Mm -hmm. Thai massage anything like that acupuncture Um, and singing because Taurus rules the throat can be really nice for regulating Mm -hmm. the vagus nerve as we know beautiful yeah sex as well I would say sex orgasms yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) sensuality yeah just bringing anything that brings you back in your body brings you back into your emotional body too yeah. as a as a Taurus moon. Totally. Second house moon is interesting because again like the the second house is is related to Taurus but it's not necessarily like having a Taurus moon. It you always kind of like this is where astrology and any language gets tricky. This is the sentence stringing mm-hmm. together part of it where if you imagine having like a Scorpio moon in a second mm-hmm. house it's going to feel very different than a Taurus moon. But right. in the second house in general, you may really feel a lot of your emotions and the changeability and your intuitiveness in material realms of your life. So material security is really important for a second house moon in feeling good. And there can be some intuitive understanding of money, but there can definitely be some emotional spending yeah. and um, a lot of changes in money. But it really needs a reliable and beautiful place to call home with like all your beautiful, Mm -hmm. carefully chosen objects and things and not moving too much, Mm -hmm. not having that kind of material fluctuation. Like you want the familiarity of your things around you that are nice, classy things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This could be an area where all of these matters that have to do with security can also just have really kind of dramatic or or noticeable effects on your sense of self-worth and self-esteem mm-hmm. where totally. it's just like it's not just that it's like dysregulating to you know I mean it's dysregulating for everyone to have to be like moving around all the time and not know where their next paycheck is coming from it's mm-hmm. like that that is universal but this placement or in the second house just I think makes you really much more emotionally tied to your sense of security on those levels. Like if it's not, then you can start devaluing yourself and Mm -hmm. it can be really depressing for Mm -hmm. a second house moon in a way that, you know, maybe a more mutable house or a more like um, change oriented space can just roll with. It's funny. My friend, Sunny, friend of the pod, Sunny, (laughs) told me something this week. I I can't remember what the context of this was, but she was like, it's more common for men to think about money like a river and women think about it like a pot. And like in terms of like a river being easy come, easy go, a Mm. sense of flow and a pot being something that obviously has a bottom Mm -hmm. and only so much and has a capacity. Yeah. And I feel like that makes me think of a second house moon. Mm-hmm. Second house moon is very pot, pot mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> totally. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but um, it, I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
if we talk about Gemini moon, which is next, that's a very adaptable mm-hmm. moon. That's like the mutable, the first mutable of the bunch mm-hmm. so far. And that's one that can go with emotions. Well, <laughs> it's an air sign moon, so it definitely intellectualizes it, but mm. it doesn't have a, as difficult of a time adapting or changing. Mm. And can kind of go with the moodiness of the moon yeah um a gemini moon really loves to process their emotions talk it out oh yeah forever (laughs) if it goes in your heart it's gonna come out of your mouth (laughs) and in some ways it can really never ever reach a conclusion or a decision you can just like talk through your feelings and be like i just don't i still don't know how i feel (laughs) (laughs) forever but there's a real like intellectual curiosity around emotions and there can in in some ways can be a feeling of restlessness and easily bored with mm. certain feelings like right. if you feel it for too long grief or depression right just be like i'm so sick of this in a way that gemini moons aren't as predisposed to i feel mm-hmm. like because they're just like i don't want to wallow yeah but they can be a little impatient with anything that doesn't have obvious reasoning, which is a lot of emotions and therefore moody in a way that they're not wanting to indulge in, but they can't suppress. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, They're very expressive, uh, naturally talkative. And so they, whether they like it or not, what they're feeling is, something that's good they're gonna they're gonna express you know yeah they're not great repressors which is good (laughs) yeah in in the same way that they want to talk out their feelings they want to talk out your feelings yeah it's a really nice way one of the nice ways that they nurture people also just like yeah that curiosity asking questions or it's just like why do you think that how do you feel that and then Mm -hmm. like I don't know their Socratic method style Mm -hmm. of like processing with you can just be really illuminating especially like if you're not like a Gemini moon if you have some other kind of if you if you have a Taurus moon it can be really helpful to just have that back and forth because they'll just keep asking (laughs) like they'll Mm -hmm. keep talking they're very curious and they're also like they're really good at providing that kind of perspective where it's like, well, did yeah. you think about it this way? Did you think about it this yeah. way? Did you think about it this way? Cause I did. I think about it this way. That can also lead to a little bit of devil's advocate of like, not as much tact. No, not as much tact. And also a little bit of like playful um, antagonism to it Tinker as well. Bell. Yes, exactly. Where it's just, if they get a little bored of your emotions <laughs> that you haven't processed yeah. it so quickly, they can really just try and reason you out of it by yeah. playing the other side where it's just like, here's how the other person might have actually been kind of right. And maybe you weren't, I don't know. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. Um, But they also just, Gemini brings light and fun and just silly spice to everything mm-hmm. they're a part of so they just kind of help lighten the mood you know yeah I think in the ways that they can take care of themselves at Gemini moon like is just to really prioritize variety mm-hmm. and to let your curiosity go to always be busy in a sense and <laughs> learning and meeting people and always forming new ideas that you feel really strongly about with any of the air signs but Yeah, really with any of the air signs, there is a way of like you having to learn and know more people and ideas Mm -hmm. before you really understand your own emotions. Yeah. And Gemini needs a lot of that, needs a lot of different (laughs) versions of that. I think about Geminis and Gemini moons as like babies that in the stage where they, well, I think about them as babies in many ways, (laughs) but I think about them as in the stage where they're just like exploring everything through their mouth (laughs) or they're just like, well, what is this in the mouth? Uh, (laughs) It's a bug. What is this? A toy. That's good. Oh, a Cheerio. Um, It's so, they just just really need to be discovering and exploring Mm. and like, you got to put something in your brain to like, give it a name to give it a name yeah exactly yeah. oh this is grief i get it yeah oh yeah right weird <laughs> yeah sucks totally. <laughs> i think because the moon rules your home too gemini moon and sag moon both no they can move a lot mm-hmm. they can be nomadic and actually feel kind of comfortable with it and yeah at home with it so they carry their house on their 
mind. MacBook. <laughs> in their MacBook. Yeah. In, their, in their smartphone. <laughs> um, and yeah, so the third house, like we've said in previous episodes, is a little bit of a funny house because it just contains a lot of different parts. If you can think about the Gemini and Sagittarius opposition, Gemini is like local, everyday life and exploration. Mm-hmm. Your neighborhood, your siblings, your... The little world that's around you, um, which is why I think they're actually good at moving around because mm-hmm. there's a sense of like feeling at home where they are because they just are innately oriented towards exploring. But it also contains writing and a communicative ability like third house people are really good communicators, whether mm-hmm. that's professional or not. Yeah. And then Sagittarius on the other side is long term visions long-winded long-winded speeches <laughs> um yeah i think about always like the gemini is like the archetype of like the 40s like fast-talking reporter yeah. <laughs> dame but so the third house moon um if your moon is in the third house you gotta connect with your neighborhood and their city mm-hmm. and what's going on in your neighborhood and the people in your neighborhood and keep that really interesting. There is a lot going on in our little intimate spaces, you know? You can never know it all. You can never know it all. It makes me think about um, friend of the pod <laughs> and sister, Rachel. <laughs> Perfect for third house. Yes, siblings. exactly. Siblings, my sis. Um, <laughs> it's good to have siblings if you have this license. I recommend that. Um, but she is just so engaged in her, like she's a cancer in the third house Mm. and like she is just naturally like this hub of her neighborhood activity. Mm -hmm. All our neighbors that never knew each other before are now all friends because of her. And she's also really involved in local politics and like what's going on there. It's such a community of moms too with the cancer. It is. So it's like, that's kind of one of those ways where you can see like the overlay between her sign, which is intensely caring, Mm -hmm. nurturing. And like, you know, one of the causes that she's fighting for in her neighborhood are, you know, these fucking right-wing a-holes that are trying to like Mm -hmm. take over the school board the local school board Mm -hmm. it's just like that's that's kind of a a neat example of how the the house and your moon can overlay but anyway enough about my sister back to the third house um (laughs) like the third house moon to me is so new york city in a way (laughs) because it's living out in your neighborhood like spilling out and just hanging out on the sidewalk with a table and chairs your bodega is your second home and and your neighbors are so close. And whenever like, you know, locational birth charts are always complicated. So like when a place comes to be, but most of the charts for New York city have a lot of third house. That's so so cool. And how obsessed it is with its neighborhoods. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) For the smallest (laughs) geographic space possible. Yeah. Yeah, That's so interesting. Micro neighborhood. So maybe a third house moon needs to live in a place like that. Yeah. It's interesting. You noted here too, that in this placement, because of like that parent parental motherly nurturing quality of the moon, that some, sometimes you're like siblings, cousins, or other family, other family members that aren't your parents can act like parents to mm-hmm. you. Yeah. A really close relationship with siblings and peers in that way. Yeah. And of course, Journaling is great for any moon for emotions (laughs) and understanding your emotions, but third house moon journaling could really lead to a writing career. Yeah, a memoir. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, The Cancer Moon. Cancer Moon. Um, The moon is in its, yeah, exactly. And its home sign being the most lunar it can possibly be here, (laughs) which is just really an instinctual and intuitive emotional processor. Mm. Uh, Emotions arise in ways that are hard to like track mentally. Mm. Um, You are just feeling it. You are on the high priestess on the other side of that curtain, just getting impressions, getting downloads, getting, having strong reactions to things. And by nature, this is like an incredibly subjective if not the most subjective mm. moon sign you because you ha- you have such a grasp on your intuition and it's so just fluid and like a part of your experience of life 
you can get really attached to the emotions and the ideas around those emotions you create and objects for reasons that like aren't really clear necessarily mm. to anyone else. And this is a moon that really needs to like get in the practice of talking it out in terms mm. of like explaining how they feel because mm. it can be they they grasp everyone else so easily. Like they can cluck anyone's emotion, mm -hmm. throw a Scorpio at them. They know exactly mm -hmm. what's happening because it's just this really deeply emotive and intuitive space. But that doesn't mean that everybody ha like they assume that everybody feels that same way or has mm -hmm. those same that same skill set, and they really don't. So if you burst out crying for no reason at dinner, you need to explain why, and it's not your <laughs> dieting partner's fault that they don't understand why you're upset. They aren't in on your emotional landscape the way that you can be in on the emotional landscapes of yeah. other people. But I'd say, yeah, this is a really emotionally secure moon, a really confidently mm -hmm. uh, confident about their emotions. Um, mm -hmm. Like I said, it can be to a fault so extremely subjective where it's just like, you hurt me and like... It can baby itself. Yeah, Self really. sometimes. Exactly. Like, yes, you can really over-mother yourself. <laughs> and yeah, because they can be really easily wounded, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it, but that just comes from like a really, like the moon is in a really comfortable place here because it yeah. can really have its full range of expression. So emotionally intelligent. Yeah. EQ off the, off the mm -hmm. charts. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does the same for others. Mm -hmm. Cancer, cancer moons are the best people to have mm -hmm. to take care of you. Yeah. They really treat you like family so nurturing and that's like that is a really healthy emotional expression of cancer moon where it's just like mm -hmm. yes you do have to have boundaries like everybody does not and not everybody wants to be mothered the way that you <laughs> want to like take care of them yeah. not everybody wants to talk about how they're feeling actually <laughs> like some people they don't you know necessarily want to just be cradled that way mm -hmm. but yeah I would do fucking anything for the people that like it's like mm -hmm. I my my phone is a hotline for yeah. friends in distress and that just makes me that makes me feel like I'm actualizing my moon like that yeah. it feels really good it's not like mm -hmm. some other signs take care of people with resentment mm -hmm. um or like out of obligation but that's really not so with a cancer moon. Mm -hmm. so it's 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 necessary. Yeah, if you have a cancer moon, it's a very strong part of your chart. Yeah. You got to tend to it and heed to it. Yeah, <laughs> heed your moon. So to nurture yourself, um which I also feel like cancers are pretty good at this. Mm -hmm. Um Spending time with your family and your chosen family, whoever you consider to mm -hmm. be like that family space. But like any kind of bathing baths, ocean trips are really also important for just clearing your energetic space. Mm -hmm. You take on a lot of other people's emotions. So you do need to kind of have some kind of good energetic clearing ritual for that. Mm -hmm. So showers, any, any, anything that exposes you to like negative ions, mm -hmm. <laughs> go for it. But yeah, also like spending time with your pets, taking care <laughs> of your pets. If you're feeling down and blue, a full fridge, um, mm. all your favorite comfort foods and snacks, vegging out, vegging the fuck out. Yeah. Um, anything that just reinforces that sense of security, yeah. which is something that a cancer moon really, really craves and needs. Yeah. What about the fourth house? Fourth house moon is cool. I really love the fourth house moon placement because it also likes being in the fourth house. It's similar to the way it likes to be in cancer, but it's just, it does well when it takes a strong interest in your, your past and your lineage mm -hmm. and your family roots and your family history and ancestry and tradition. And that could play out in, kind of a community way or a mm -hmm. cultural way or it could play out in a very personal way and like you just want to know what your mom's childhood <laughs> was like and you want to know all the details of it but it also is it is so important for moons in the fourth house to f really process their familial relationships to yeah. to know their if they're not good to really work on them to be able to foster a sense of home and connectedness and rootedness that feels positive to them and 
it's also nostalgic it's very domestic Mm -hmm. it's like nurturing a garden to full growth Mm -hmm. yeah tending to your home in some ways very fourth house too totally i i really like what you said like this is a house where family matters Mm -hmm. are really important and depending on whether you had a really secure and stable childhood that gave Mm -hmm. you a very solid and connected sense of who you are and where you came from if you had a more disruptive or challenging childhood or like a difficult location a a difficult sense of location Mm -hmm. in terms of home that is going to be one of the main missions of your life is to Mm -hmm. just give your moon a home nourish it with security nourish it with stability nourish it with friendship like it needs an i think a little extra little extra love if you have a challenged mm-hmm. moon in the fourth house like love is part of the part of the mission i yeah i also think that a lot of fourth house moons i've seen work really well with families mm-hmm. and it doesn't you know like you may process your own emotions through working with mm-hmm. other people's families or yeah. understanding family dynamics or thinking about lineage in that way yeah totally. that can be a way that is reflected back to you or you processed your own experience. Totally. Back to the fires. The fire. <laughs> Leo moon. We've talked so much about Leo and it's not dissimilar to <laughs> a lot of the Leo sun <laughs> qualities, but Leo moon can definitely be dramatic and exaggerated with their emotions, but they're so warm and effusive and playful. I've definitely noticed with Leo moons that it can be a boy who cried wolf. Like <laughs> the drama is turned up so much. Right. That sometimes you don't know what is serious and what they're feeling or not. They can also have an easily bruised ego, like mm-hmm. a specific kind of sensitivity around their pride and ego. Yeah. There's a really strong desire to make other people proud of them <laughs> to <Cute>. like, <laughs> yeah, to, um, yeah, just like want to be seen in a really specific way that, is so lunar in that like I want people to care about what I'm doing mm-hmm. and they can get emotional when they're not getting enough attention and that is a pretty direct line to how a Leo moon takes care of itself mm-hmm. is that it you have to give yourself <laughs> the en- enough attention so that you don't just look for external validation right. you have to be proud of yourself mm-hmm. this is major self-esteem yeah, self-love self-esteem And self-esteem is one of those things that I feel like everyone always wants. The only way you can get self-esteem is putting yourself out there. Yeah. And just getting over the hump of being scared, of being vulnerable. So that's a good practice for Leo Moons. Totally. And really creative as well. Like, I feel like that is a way that, um, like, there are so many artists with Leo and... (laughs) fifth houses yeah. we'll talk about moons yeah. because it is just a way of getting attention but in kind of a lunar way you know where mm-hmm. it's just like look what I made and mm-hmm. then you can tell me that it's good like I made this over here when I was in my like moon time yeah. of making art and connecting with my inspiration mm-hmm. and now here it is mm-hmm. do you love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah reflecting yeah does. yeah Yeah. And so art making and just creative projects play are great ways to nurture the moon as well as, you know, building up your own sense of self-esteem and just, yeah, taking your own emotions seriously first. So you don't feel like you have to force other people to like validate (laughs) them, you know? They're great at taking care of other people. They're so demonstrative Mm -hmm. and dramatic gestures of love and affection. Gifts. Great gift givers. Great gift givers. They're like the hosts. Yeah. They cook and entertain and make you forget all your problems (laughs) by making you laugh. And yeah. Yeah. That's really cute. Get caught up in the drama. So the fifth house moon. The fifth house is pretty aligned with Leo matters. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the house of creativity, dating, kids, Mm -hmm. play. It's like a fun, it's like a place where you have fun. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, there's like a lot of artists, like I said, that so many artists with fifth, fifth house, house placements where it's just like, yes, you, your place, your, the place your moon feels happy is in the studio, in the mm-hmm. workroom, in the play in like, also I feel like a lot of care, caretaking for mm-hmm. young kids. Like yeah. Leo, Leo's 
all across the board, but especially like Lunar Leos and Fifth House Leos, they're the ones that are just naturals uh, when it comes to like child logic and playing, where they can really just like get on the floor and like already just there's a game afoot. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. they're the princess or whatever. It's (laughs) so cute to see because that's so nurturing to a Leo moon and a Fifth Houser entertainment of all kinds both in as the entertainer and the entertained Mm -hmm. are great ways to take care or like attributes of a a fifth house moon tv and movies really feed that sense of drama Mm -hmm. and also help you i think feel your feelings in this other kind of way you know it fifth house is very like making art and playing or how you access your emotions it's funny, I put in there, they feel at home in the casino. <laughs> it's a lot of Fifth House Moons I know are just, just turn on like they're so familiar with this <laughs> splashy game playing environment. <laughs> <laughs> All the glitz and glamour. But yeah, it's it's also just like generally your home really has to be an expression of yourself. Yeah, it's truly. It's a very like artistic, expressive, colorful home. Mm-hmm. Love that. Virgo. Gosh, we have really, I, I'm so excited for Virgo season because we really haven't had a chance to talk about Virgo a lot yet. And we will. I'm obsessed. Don't, <laughs> <laughs> it's not personal. <laughs> Once again, it's like we were talking so much about Leos and Virgos, just the sign that follows Leo. There's just always like, okay, you know, <laughs> mom's at the casino again. <laughs> Um, But yeah, like the experience of being a Virgo, God, anything Virgo is super powered observational skills. Mm -hmm. Like, and in that way, it's funny because the Virgo moons in my world, it's like their observation level and their sense, their analysis almost makes them seem psychic Mm -hmm. (laughs) at certain times where it's just like they can come to the same like intuitive conclusions uh, or the same intuitive, the same conclusions that someone that's really intuitive can mm-hmm. by just like looking and processing. Mm-hmm. So such keen observers, um, but they really look at emotions in like a pretty practical way. They're such good processors with friends for this reason, where it's like mm-hmm. they're very, very perceptive. They're very observant. They they can really help you just work through step by step mm-hmm. all the feelings that you're having, and in a way that's like pretty objective or Virgo is a fascinating sign um, because it is a mutable earth sign, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit of a contradiction the same way that Aquarius is a fixed air sign. (laughs) What is is air? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Like on a different planet. Yeah, exactly. But like the feet, the way that feelings come out or are expressed in a Virgo moon are so often somatically through the body. So you got to work on your emotions through the body the same way. In this, in this is the shadow side of it. The, the self-critical aspect of a Virgo moon can be especially self-critical of their bodies. Yeah. I've noticed like that's a way of loving yourself too with a Virgo moon is to have that same level of practicality and patience Mm -hmm. with your body's response to emotions yeah I feel like it just really reinforces the need to physicalize um Mm -hmm. and and act like we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about nurturing the self but like these are master tinkerers futzers Mm -hmm. cleaners gardeners when you're working out your feelings you need to be working out your hands at the same time you need to be moving things around like I feel like Virgo is like so feng shui receptive you know where it's just like you can really kind of change your emotional state by like rearranging furniture you know especially a Virgo man with the home yeah totally but part of that criticality can make Virgo uh, the, and like that hyper perceptiveness can make Virgos really impatient and judgmental about the feelings that they're feeling mm-hmm. like they're not worthy or they're not, they're not, it's not perfect or it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not reasonable enough. They don't deserve to feel the way they feel because technically this person did this, that, and the other, mm-hmm. like they can really try and rationalize themselves out of the emotions that they're feeling. But if, if you can find a way, like I said, with some of these physical processes and just cultivating some patience, 
to pull back a little bit on like the automatic sense of criticality when you're feeling something that's not that you don't think is like fair to -hmm. feel or something or efficient or efficient um, or productive. Um, You can really just be a super processor. Mm -hmm. And they're also just like really independent people, uh, Virgo moons, Mm -hmm. you know, really kind of a self-sufficient, very self-sufficient sense. Um, and the way they nurture others, my God, acts of service. 100%. 100%. But it's also important there because Virgos can um, can act a lot out of a sense of obligation or duty. So really just make sure that you want to do the things that you're doing. Like, yeah. like feeling useful and helpful is just really important to your own sense of security and self-understanding. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's like a really powerful gift that they can give the world and give themselves if they can be nice to themselves. Yeah. And I think they can really help make your own emotions feel practical. Like they can kind of help you not in the same way that it's like motivational as an Aries moon or something, but they can break it down into mm-hmm. the pieces and the parts enough to be like, okay, this is what we tend to first. It's a to-do list. This. Yeah. The to-do they list. They love a to-do list. That can be helpful. Yeah, totally. That are overwhelming. So Sixth house moon is sixth house has so much to do with the mind body connection Mm -hmm. and the physical realm of your day to day health. And so a Mm -hmm. sixth house moon is really where emotions show up in your Mm -hmm. body. Your body reflects how you feel all the time is so sensitive to how you feel. You get sick when you're stressed. Yeah. You get a headache when you're overwhelmed. You you really have to pay attention to what your body feels because it's telling you. Yeah, <laughs> emotionally and so because of that sensitivity it can definitely be a hypochondriac placement mm-hmm. it can be hypersensitive to what your physical changes are it's another acts of service place it whenever you're talking about career looking at the moon can be an interesting aspect of it because mm-hmm. it just really shows where you actually feel fulfilled yeah. by something and a um, sixth house moon does need to be of service to people working for helping people mm-hmm. out in some way, but you don't want to get to that burnout martyring place, yeah. which is true of any sixth house and Virgo placement. You want to take care of yourself and being productive is emotionally fulfilling for mm-hmm. sixth house moon. So they, I, they meaning I, <laughs> I have a sixth house moon. I also just really emotionally connect with the people I work with a lot yeah. like in coworkers, six mm-hmm. house is very like the people you see every day yeah in your work your work life mm-hmm. so um yeah also the six house is a, a house of routine so I feel like yeah. this is a moon that just needs a solid routine uh, Malia <laughs> I need that reminder every fucking day because I'm so averse to it and I need it I know I would feel <laughs> it feels so good <laughs> Yeah, just like that regularity is regulating for a moon in this place. Um, And I feel like that's also true of a Virgo moon. Okay, so that is the end of part one of our moon sign series. Next week, we'll be back with all the moons of Libra through Pisces. And we'll also be checking in about everything that's happened in this next week. But for now, please enjoy the Venus Kazemi on August 13th, the new moon on the 16th. If you haven't listened to the horoscopes for this coming week in our Leo season mood board episode, definitely go back and listen to that. The only prescription for your weekend is to make it as beautiful as possible. So with that, in the language of the summer, ciao. Love Cosmos Radio is created by Kristen Stegemoller and Malia Croy. Follow us on Instagram at Club Cosmos Radio and send your burning astrology questions and hot topics to us at clubcosmosradio at gmail.com.